Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is a world-renowned self-defense specialist, a private security professional, and motivational speaker. During his Air Force career, he earned the title of Combat Arms Training Instructor. As a police officer, he continued to develop his expertise with weapons and defensive tactics, and during his 16 years as a SWAT operator, he conducted well over 1,000 SWAT operations. He's been studying martial arts most of his life and trained with some of the finest instructors in the world. He's a Black Belt Hall of Fame member and the founder and lead instructor of Riddle Defense. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. John Riddle. How are you doing today, sir? Good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, what we like to do with all my guests, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know what led to that first spark. Where did that first interest in martial arts come from and kind of what led you to start your martial arts journey? Well, uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, going through grade school. I mean, I, I didn't have a bad background. I, I grew up in a middle-class family. It's just something I always wanted to do. When I was growing up in the 60s, I was a big Green Hornet fan. Nice. Uh, I don't know if you if you remember that show or not. I have the um, whole series on DVD, so yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Cato always intrigued me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and I watched as years went by uh, David Carradine and, and Kung Fu. You know, I was just in the, into the martial art type movies. Okay. And I thought, you know, this is pretty cool. I want to learn to do something like this. And, uh, you know, as I was growing up, you know, got into school fights, things of that nature, you know. Um, so I thought, you know what? I, I needed to learn something to protect myself. So my martial arts career really, it, it kind of, the spark happened then, mm-hmm. but it took a few years before I really got involved in it okay i took up kickboxing or boxing actually back then and then i got into kickboxing and then i dabbled a little bit in taekwondo and then i stayed with the kickboxing and then when i I moved down uh to florida from pennsylvania i started dabbling in different areas there's florida's got so many different types of martial arts down here yep Uh, it's like it's like california you know it's (laughs) Just in in the area where where I was uh, living in, in West Palm Beach at the time, they had uh, Steve Shepard, who was uh, he was world champion kickboxer. He had a, a school down the street from me. Terry Giles, uh, he had a Hong Do school, uh, which I became a student there, and that's really where it kicked it off. Okay, uh, studying Hong Do under uh, Master Terry Giles. I got my my first degree black belt with him and. Right around there, I got into law enforcement. I was in law enforcement, you know, and I started studying a lot of the law enforcement defensive tactics. Okay. And so it really started back, I was probably 
16, I guess, and living in Pennsylvania when it, when it really got kicked off. Okay. So you, you dabbled in a few things. You said you tried, tried some boxing, tried some Taekwondo, tried some kickboxing, mm-hmm. but then when you got Florida, it's when you found this traditional style, what was it about that? When you, when you first checked out that school, what kind of drew you into to learning a traditional martial art coming, you know, a little different than boxing and kickboxing and stuff. So what, what was it about that, that kind of drew you in and made you stick with it so long? It was the uh, discipline. It was really, you know, it was the discipline of it all. It was the formality of it all where, you know, we had the katas uh, uh-huh. or the forms. Uh, we also had the combative side of it, uh, which I loved, you know, but, but it was really, I was the type of student that we would train a couple nights a week, but I would be there seven days a week training Nice, <laughs> because it was cooked. It was, it was the school, uh, Master Giles also owned a bodybuilding gym oh. so i would work out in the gym and then i would slide into the dojo and i would train and i would just go over and over and over the, the katas and, uh, and the forms that we did i would shadow box you know which i was taught from my boxing background mm-hmm. and uh, you know i just fell in love with it you know and uh myself and my instructor master terry giles terry and i became very good friends we became very good friends out of the dojo and he saw a different side of me with my training and he pretty much took me under his wing and, uh, you know, started really working me hard in the training aspect of it, teaching, you know, I started being an assistant instructor for him and running some classes, you know, okay. beginning sides of the classes in law enforcement. I was a, always like an adjunct instructor in firearms and defensive tactics. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a, you know, I was schooled on how to teach and my military background. I was, I was in the military also, and I was an instructor in the air force. So I had a teaching background okay. and so it kind of came kinda pretty natural. <laughs> yeah. Kind of natural to me, you know, to be able to get the word across to people, Okay, you know, and be able to show not only, you know, to be able to demonstrate it, explain it, demonstrate it, and then watch them do it and be able to tweak them and, and make it, make it right for them. You know, nice. um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's where it all kicked off for me. And I just loved it. You know, I just, like I said, I, I would eat, sleep and drink it. <laughs> and, nice. um, you know, then once I got my black belt, you know, the, the school kind of, uh, went a different, on a different direction and I kind of took a step aside and then I got looking around and it just started to expand from there. My background started to expand from there and different things. Can you, uh, what do you remember about your black belt test? Oh, my black belt test was probably four hours, five hours. Wow. I thought, uh, I thought mine was long at two and a half. Okay. Katas, <laughs> nice. We had, I had to do, I had to do from my first day in, in the dojo, uh, Kata mm-hmm. all the way up to all my black belt Katas. Yep. I had to break, uh, wood, uh, multiple layers of wood. Um, he had me break a concrete slab, uh, and then spar. Okay. A lot of sparring, you know, and, and it was almost, it was on borderline of full contact type sparring. Okay. You know, the, which, which I loved, you know, nice. it, was, it was great. So it was, at any point there, did you get involved in the competition side of martial arts at all? I did. I did a lot of, uh, point fighting okay. around the state of Florida. Locally, we had a lot of different, uh, schools, uh, Kenpo schools, different schools that would, uh, get together and we go to this main area where every year they had big events and, uh, and I would compete there. I competed in Daytona beach. I competed around the state in different uh, point fighting style, uh, 
competitions. Any of those tournaments stand out? Any, any cool memories from some of those tournaments? Uh, you know, it's all learning experience, you know, it's, it's, you know, you get up there and you're nervous and the biggest thing I can take away from those is learning how to perform under pressure at that time for me, you know, and just being able to, to win. Uh, I want a lot of the, in my level, um, I, I remember I had a garage full of big trophies and it was just a lot of fun. You know, it was just, I just had a good time doing it. Got a good time meeting new people. Mm-hmm. seeing instructors that, that I've read about, you know, and, and, and heard about and actually seeing them face to face, you know, and, and just having a good time all, all the way around. I was one who, uh, I was never into the competition. I love training other people for competition, but I was never into it mm-hmm. myself. So and I, what I tell people is I think the only reason I wasn't is because my, one of my original instructors forced me to enter a tournament when I didn't want to. So I think it just okay. kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, but yeah, no, that can happen. I, I as an instructor now, uh, I would, and I don't, I don't do any competitions anymore and none of my students compete, but it, it's, I would never force anybody to do that. So then you said you, you left that school and you started exploring other things. So, it's, I mean, it sounds like you'd already kind of started combining to kind of create your own system at this point. Cause you said you were mixing in like some boxing stuff with it already. And had you decided at that point that you wanted to create your own system or were you just, just doing it? Cause yeah. it came natural. I did it cause it came natural. Okay. You know, it, it's, it's a thing where now I'm a police officer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I'm looking at things a little bit different because, you know, out on the street in a dynamic situation, real world situation things don't always look as good as they do in the dojo. Right. You know, and actually some of it can fall apart pretty quick. And it's like, oh, how come it didn't work the way it did at the school? You know, and now I, that's when I started to experiment. I started to look at things a little bit different. And I started to kind of step out of the box a little bit uh, that I was in. Not to say anything was wrong with that, mm-hmm. but this is where I started to combine things. You know, law enforcement, defensive tactics, when a, when a kid goes to the police academy, they only get 80 hours in the state of Florida. Wow. You know, and, and some of it is joint locks, uh, pressure points, things of that nature, you know, handgun retention, baton work. So, you know, there wasn't anything like I have to fight this guy. And, you know, I also have to protect my firearms and I have to protect myself, you know, and all this in the real world, the dynamic situations in a, in a real world situation that, that happens. So I started looking around at different things and putting different things together for me. Mm-hmm. And I had a, just a bunch of friends, other guys, cops, and we would play around with it a little bit in the gym at the station at the at headquarters. And then, you know, I, I started dabbling a little bit. I got involved in Jeet Kune Do. I started training a little bit in Jeet Kune Do with Paul Bunak. Nice. Out in California. I used to fly back and forth here and there. And then, you know, that kind of went sideways for different reasons. And uh, I got in with his second. They had a, a falling out. And then I got in with him. And that kind of went a different way also. Okay. So, you know, I, I take things from Jeet Kune Do, not a lot. But, you know, the, the combination of now, you know, my kickboxing background, my Kwanong Do background in the, I guess, about 2000, I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. And um, off and on, you know, life happens, things happen. Yep. I'm still in, I'm still studying Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I go a couple times a week to my professor and I still train with him and, and I train 
new people in my school with just the fundamentals of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, you know, because I looked at it where I've been on the ground, I've been on the ground in confrontations on the street mm-hmm. and, you know, not all confrontations start standing up, but a lot of times you're going to go to the ground. Right. And, and when you do, you better know what to do. And it happened to me in real life. And at that time I was training jujitsu. So it helped me quite a bit from being hurt pretty bad. And, you know, it was on the job when it happened, but it, it's uh, now I incorporate jujitsu. So now I'm looking at the Brazilian jujitsu side of things. Right. So now going all the way back to when we first started talking about this uh, from my early days of, you know, doing some kickboxing and boxing, then coming into Hong Do, and then having that sabbatical for a while, getting involved in law enforcement and being in law enforcement defensive tactics instructor mm-hmm. and uh, being out on the street, seeing what can happen and being taken to the ground. Now it's jujitsu, right? So now I'm just building this and I'm starting to look at things differently in the martial world and the combatives world. So you know, that's where I am at this point. Okay. So right? how different was like comparing the instructor stuff you did with the air force versus what you did with the police? Uh, how different, how different was that training and how, how far had you come in that time? Cause I'm assuming the police was quite a few years after the air force. No, it was almost a change hats oh, in, okay. in a matter of, uh, I was in the air force for six years. Okay. I was a, I was a combat arms, uh, training guy. I was, uh, weapons, okay. firearms. So I trained, I trained everything from the, uh, revolver, semi-automatic handgun, uh, M16, two or three grenade launcher. Back in the day, it was the M60 machine gun mm-hmm. and also the, uh, law rocket. It's a, uh, shoulder held, uh, rocket launcher tank that, you know, they hit tanks with it. And then I, w- I would train power rescue guys, uh, combat controllers. When I say train them, mm-hmm. uh, they would come in for qualifications, you know, to get, to get, uh, you know, back up on to speed. And then anybody on the base, base law enforcement people, uh, anybody that had the need to pick up a weapon when need be, they would come to our, to our location and they would, uh, meet us and we would get them trained up back okay. up to speed. When okay. Need to be. Did you get to do any martial arts training at all during that, those six years in the air force? No. Okay. None. Okay. None. But when I discharged and I got in, I was out probably, I would say three to six months, uh, when I got hired by a South Florida agency. Okay. And when I got on two years on in the patrol division, I got select, I tried out and was selected for SWAT team. So my weapons background put me right to the sniper team. Nice. I did that for about two years. And then I switched over to the entry team. Uh, I saw the guys, my buddies going through the door after the bad guys. And I said, that's what I really want to do. So uh, I did that for about 13 years. And then just before I retired off the team, they asked me to go back and, and uh, supervise the sniper team. So in be- you know, it, with all that going on, mm-hmm. uh, I went to school to learn defense, police defensive tactics, became an instructor there, became a firearms instructor also. Okay. Very cool. I mean, definitely sounds like so uh, you know an, an adventure <laughs> for sure. That you oh yeah, many, many many adventures I would imagine. So so then, what led to you starting uh, Riddle Self Defense? Where did the, you know was that just an idea pop into your head? Did someone else suggest it, or kind of how did that? No, well, people had mentioned it to me. You know, okay. you ought to do your own thing, man. You ought to do your own school. You know, you could do well. And you know, I was a police officer for twenty eight years. All right. And most of it was, I was a street cop. I worked a little bit of narcotics 
and I did a lot of SWAT work, tactical work. Mm-hmm. And I, over my 28 years, I've seen good people have bad things done to them. And, you know, as a police officer, you can help people, but a lot of times it's after the fact. Right. So probably five years before I decided I was going to retire, I said, you know what? I want to do this. I want to put a school together. I want to put something together and start teaching people. And, you know, it's going to prepare me for my afterlife after I retire. And I wanted to continue to help people to help try to keep people safe. If I can't do it, if I'm not going to do it anymore in uniform, then I'm going to try to teach people to take care of themselves. So I started out and opened up a 2,200 square foot warehouse and we're there 12 years. Wow. Same location for 12 years? Yep. Same location for 12 years. And do you know roughly uh, how many students have come through your school? Ooh, uh, (laughs) God, I I wish I can give you a number, but I can't. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. You know, it's crazy how many people have got. I've got four black belts under me. Oh, wow. And that I brought up. I mean, they, they were students. They came through the door. Uh, the one, my one black belt's been with me for 12 years. Okay. You know, they, wow. you know, probably within a month of me opening up, uh, Chris walked in the door and he said, you know, I want to start training what you teach. And, uh, like I did when we first started speaking, mm-hmm. uh, how'd you find me? You know? And, uh, he's been, he's still with me today. He's, he's my, one of my top black belts. So what is uh what is the black belt test for your school kind of involving? How does it compare to, <laughs> compared to your black belt test back in the day? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my black belt test is tough. Okay. Um, That's good. You know, they, they have to regurgitate everything from day one. And now mind you, they have to do the rest of my history, my, you know, comes into, we start getting into, uh, Krav Maga yep. and, um, I'm more of a hybrid Krav Maga school okay. uh, because I, I incorporate Brazilian Jiu Jitsu on the ground. I incorporate kickboxing. My Krav Maga comes in again, in weapon defenses knife defenses, impact weapon defenses, uh, firearm defense against firearms. And we can really go down a rabbit hole with that. But I combine all this and it was a real test and trying to figure out how I'm going to put all this together, you know, and get a complete curriculum. So there was some remakes in the curriculum. And when I came up with my black belt test, the morning of the black belt test, it's on a weekend. And we meet at the school at about 7.30 in the morning. I take them over to the beach and we exercise on the beach for about an hour. They're running in the sand. They're swimming. They're rolling around in the sand. They're running stairs. They've got backpacks on uh, when they're weighted backpacks on or weight vests when they're doing this. They're doing some martial art in the sand, you know, for instability, stability, instability. And just to get them wore out. And then I give them a task. And one of the tasks would be, okay, we have to lift this three-inch PVC pipe that's filled with either water or sand. And then we have a cinder block and rope. And we have to tie the rope through the cinder block and figure out how two guys can carry this cinder block with a rope. Nice. And then with their weighted vests or their backpacks, they have to ruck almost three miles back to the school. Wow. Okay. And then when they get back to the school, I give them about 20 to 30 minute break and they can carve up, they can hydrate. I make sure they do that. And then they clean up because they got sand all over them and they come onto the mat and they start their technical test. Wow. And then after the technical part of the test is done, they box each other for two, two minute rounds. And then they're going to grapple on the mat 
two five-minute rounds. Wow. And after that's done, they have to have a pressure test. The pressure test I stole from my instructor in Krav Maga. And as black belts, and like I had to do, they have a seven-minute pressure test, which means I bring them out on the mat individually. And they have three other, four other people on the mat, in the corners of the mat. And I have impact weapons, training knives, training handguns, training long guns, uh, kicking shields on the mat. And I have them do jumping jacks for 30 seconds, push-ups for 30 seconds, mountain climbers for 30 seconds. Then I stand them up. They cock their head back, put their arms straight out to the side, and they spin for about five seconds. And then when the bell goes off, it's a seven-minute constant attack Wow! from three or four different people with everything that they have learned from day one up to their black belt test. And I do that uh, except for the time limit. My white belt to yellow belt, they do three minutes of that. Okay. Wow. And as they go up in rank, I add a minute to the test. Okay. So it's an endurance test and it's something that it's a pass fail, you know, and going back to what I said earlier about, you know, when dynamic application in a real world situation, Mm -hmm. all the fancy stuff is, it's going to circle the drain pretty quick. Right. So it's a matter of, I want to see some semblance of what you've learned. I know it's not going to be perfect because you're going to be exhausted, but I, I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to stop. I want you to keep fighting and because I want you to fight for your life and I want you to win. That's awesome. So if someone fails, how long do they have to wait before they can retest? Well, it depends on how they fail. Okay. If they get to the pressure test and they say one of the guys for black belt, he walks off the uh, mat, says, I can't do this anymore. At four minutes in, he fails his whole test. Okay. He's got to, he's got to do it all over again. Everything. Wow. I'm very, I'm not lenient but I, I know when to be flexible, mm-hmm. you know, where everything's not going to be perfect. I want to see perfection in the technical area. So, and I always say, you know, like, for instance, in a, a uh, choke defense, somebody grabs you around the throat and you do a choke defense. And it wasn't exactly the way I wanted, the way I taught it to you. I'll say, okay, Brian, can I see that again? And I, I brief everybody before the test. If I say that to you, Brian, that means you might be missing something. Okay. All right. I give you three shots at that. Nice. And then, you know, if you get it, okay. If not, I jot it down and we move on. And it really depends if that's the only thing that happened, then, you know, and everything else was great, then you're going to pass. I have a little bit of a grading system, but most of my grading system is just watching you and making sure that you're doing it the way, exact way I taught it to you. Nice. So have you ever had anyone fail and not come back? One. One. In my 12 years. That's not bad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> One in my 12 years. I mean, you know, and, and you know, being a martial artist, yes. you know, people get, some people that, you know, they get the yellow belt, right. Yeah. And whatever. And, and they're gone. Yeah. You know, you'll get guys get all the way up to black belt and okay. I got my black belt. Guess <laughs> I don't need anything else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. and, and they're, and they're out the door. You never see them again. You know? So I get some people that, that, that has happened, but to fail a test one person. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. You describing like your school and your, t- I wish we had a school like that up here. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing I'd, I'd probably love taking part of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, and we have like 30 to 35 martial arts schools within about a 20 to 30 mile radius of my house. Really? Yeah. 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 And uh, most styles, I mean, obviously we have, you know, Taekwondo, we have, 
um, MMA, we have jujitsu, we have hapkido, we have aikido, we have, you know, different style. We have some Okinawan karate. It's a lot of, a lot of different styles, which is awesome, you know, but yeah, nothing specifically like that. I mean, like, you know, it's hardcore self-defense type stuff. So, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I try to base it on that. Not, you know, the, the hardcore, is it hardcore? It can be yeah, because it's not very familiar, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's, there's no, and, and I'm actually kind of backstepping right now with my formalities because as you know, in a formal atmosphere, when you walk into the dojo, you bow. Yep. When you, you go up to your instructor, your sensei, bow to him, say hello, you know, and it's the way it is in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yep. I walk in, I bow, I go to my right directly over to my instructor. I greet him. I bow. Hello, sir. You know, and in my school, in the earlier days, people would come in, Hey John, how's it going? You know? And, and I'm like, you know, okay. It, I opened that door, yeah. you know, and it's, and then I started seeing it get a little out, out of hand. I started seeing people bully other people. Ooh. And then it's like, when I have to literally throw somebody out of the school a couple yeah. times, then it's the onus is on me. And it's like, okay, I have to do something different here. So I turned around and what I'm doing now is instead of wearing, you know, shorts and any shirt you want to wear, you're going to wear my school rash guard and you're going to wear gi pants. Okay. And you're going to have uh, mat shoes. Nice. Because we, we wore regular tennis shoes on, on the mat. Like right? good for the mat. So, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's, it's like now, now everybody's going to be uniform. And when you come in, you're going to say hello to me and it's, it's uh instructor or you know coach and when you and my black belts and you're, you're going to give my guys my black belts the same amount of courtesy you're giving me nice you know and they deserve it they worked for it and they deserve it so uh, and maybe one day you will be there you know so everybody surprisingly everybody fell right in on it yeah so uh by by the end of the month everybody's going to be uniformed up that's cool the curriculum stays the same okay that's good do you think you'll ever allow a second school like would you ever allow one of your black belts to open a school when they get to a certain level or a certain point absolutely nice absolutely so so that's obviously in the plans then (laughs) hopefully yeah i'm all for it you know my guys one's a realtor all right one works in the financial world the other guy's in marketing uh i the other two are in marketing actually so do they want to do something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, but it's totally up to them. If they wanted to do something like that, I'd help them out all the way. That's cool. You know, it's, uh, there's no, I'm not concerned about, you know, and look, I'm going to be 63 on Saturday. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and you know, I, I train every day. So, okay. but am I going to be doing this forever? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I might want to get on the speaking circuit, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm kicking different things around. You know, but if somebody wants, if one of my guys wants to pick up, you know, where I, where I leave it, then I'm a hundred percent behind him and I'll be there for him the whole time. Nice. Got me by a couple years. I'm, I'm 49 tomorrow. So, <laughs> okay. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Cool. So thinking back to when you first, I think it was Haring Doe that you said you first started teaching, thinking back to the first time you taught a class or taught a student to now, what do you think has changed the most about your teaching style over those years? My teaching style now, uh, I base a lot of it off of what I've been through Okay. Uh, on the street, uh, what I've seen, what I've done. That's, that's really what, what I teach off of. I mean, I teach my curriculum, 
but I, I, I'm very happy to say I bring in a lot of street stuff, a lot of things that I've seen on the street, a lot of things that have happened to me over my years on this earth. Because growing up in high school, me and a handful of my buddies, our pastime was fighting, street fighting. And that's really, really where I learned a lot. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I now today, you know, it's I'm very open. I'm more relaxed. And I, I pretty much cut to the chase with stuff. I, I go right to, you know, this is why you're here. This is what I'm going to teach you. And this is why I want to teach it to you, you mm-hmm. know? So it's it's just, that's what I base it off of. I mean, I, and my learning from the day I first taught somebody up to now, God, it's like light years with me, you know? Nice. I'm not as, you know, it depends, but I'm not as nervous anymore, Okay. you know? Uh, because after the years of doing it and teaching it, I pretty much know what I'm talking about. Nice. So uh, what led to you uh, launching your own podcast? How did that start? Yeah, the podcast. Uh, the podcast was to try, I wanted to try to use it as a catalyst to bring more people in okay. and to get, to get out, to get riddle defense out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend of mine who still does a lot of work for me on the social media side of it. I've got a couple of people doing social media stuff for me, but, uh, Mario is, uh, he has his own cinematic company, uh, where he does videos, motion picture type stuff. And he and I met years and years ago in a Florida concealed carry certification course. Okay. And he himself is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And we just hit it off in the class. And, you know, we stayed in touch for a while, kind of broke away. And then I remembered he was doing this uh, cinematic stuff. So I said, Hey, you know, can you uh, help me out with this stuff? And he said, Yeah. And they started shooting video for me. And they said, You know, man, podcast stuff. I said, You know, I've been thinking about doing a podcast really don't know how to do it. I started off with a guy from the police department and that kind of circled the drain pretty quick Mm -hmm. and we broke away and then I did my own, but I just had, I wanted to use it to bring people in, into my world. Right. Yeah. So it was going to be based on some law enforcement stuff. It was going to be based. I speak to law enforcement people, military people, martial artists, Mm kind of like you, Yeah. what you're doing, you know? We would do some, I would book on a Saturday morning. We would do the podcast right in my gym. Okay. And he would come in, he'd set everything up, sound, everything. And uh, we'd have people on Zoom or like you and I are right now, Mm -hmm. where it's audible and we just mix it up that way. Nice. It was mainly just to try to get people into who's Riddle Defense, who is this guy. Okay. Are you going to do any more episodes? We kind of let it go. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of hanging behind the curtain right now. Actually, it's funny you said that because I was talking to Mario last week and he said, hey, man, why don't we fire this thing back up again? Nice. So I'm kind of kicking it around. Well, I'll definitely put a link out there. Maybe get some people to listen to the the older episodes and hopefully get to maybe get you. I know I have some listeners in Florida, so maybe we'll get you some students down there too. So that'd be kind of cool. That'd be great, man. And then you had mentioned um, the the speaking circuit. Now, you've, you've done some of that, haven't you already? I have. I've spoken. I was the first time, well, in teaching, okay, you're speaking to people. Mm-hmm. So besides that, you know, I went out to a seminar out in California uh, with Paul Bunak, and he wanted me to talk about a little bit about my background and some uh, firearm stuff. And I mean, I didn't know anybody at this seminar, and there was a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his second came up to me and says, hey, John, 
you know, uh, Sifu wants you to know if you'll do a talk and what am I going to say? No, you know? So <laughs> yeah. I said, sure. The, you know, when does he want me to do it? So he got about five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. So I said to my girlfriend, who's my wife now, I said, uh, give me some index cards. So I made some bullet points on some index cards and then my time came and I stood up in front of this crowd with a microphone in my hand and, uh, they loved it. Very cool. I got an interview right after from Jason Brick. He's a writer out of, uh, I believe, Oregon, okay. Washington. He'll kill me if he hears this. <laughs> but he, he interviewed me. It was the first interview I had with him. And he's interviewed me several times. It was on his podcast. He interviewed me for a book that he wrote where he took an excerpt of, of uh, things that, that happened to people. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the other talks, um, my latest one, it was just a, a couple of years back. A client of mine hired me to give a motivational talk to his company. Uh, he had about 20 high-end producers for his company, and he would fly them to Las Vegas. And um, they would spend a week out there, and he'd have meetings. And after a day, they would go out and do different things. And so he says, "I look because in teaching him, the things I talk about when I speak to him and I'm teaching him, he, said, he looked at me one day and he says, do you ever think about like taking your – law enforcement SWAT background and like some of these motivational speakers from the military do and gauge it to business. And I said, you know, I have, I have, he says, good, write something for me. And he says, "Uh, let me take a look at it. This is what I do. And I can bring you out to Vegas. You can talk to about 20 of my high end people because we're having this issue. And then, uh, you know, bring your uh, wife out with you and spend the weekend out there with us on me. Nice. So he flew us out, put us up at the Wynn Hotel. I did a, and he says, by the way, keep it to about 20 minutes. Yeah. So I did it for 20, I spoke for 20 minutes, spent the weekend out there with him. <laughs> he took us racing cars and uh, have us doing some fun things, you know, and nice. it was, it was a great time. It was a great experience. So um, I'm, I'm looking to do more of that. Okay. You know, and, and for businesses, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at like the generation, these kids uh, today growing up, you know, that don't know what they want to do mm-hmm. or what they're looking for. And they're just to motivate them these days to go out and chase what they want, nice. you know, and, and never to quit, never give up, you know, and focusing on what you want in life. Okay. Very cool. So any, uh, any thoughts of writing a book? I kick it around every once in a while. Okay. Brian, I got so much stuff pouring out of my ears right now. I just don't know where to start. You know, I really don't know where to start. If I, you know, if I locate somebody that's a, a ghost writer or something like that, that can help me write a book, I, I would kick it around. Definitely. Very cool. I, I know some ghost writers. So if you want some names, let me know. I can, I can okay. hook, hook you up possibly, but what are one or two tips you would give someone who they're looking to get involved in martial arts for the first time in their life. They know nothing about it. And they're just wondering like, what should I look for in an instructor and, and maybe something I should avoid? Well, being genuine, nice. an instructor should be genuine. All right. Uh, and don't, don't, uh, it's not about beating your own chest. Uh, think about these people that are coming into your school. It takes a lot of courage for people to walk in the door of a school mm-hmm. because they don't know what they're walking into. They, they have an idea of what they want, but they don't know what they're walking into when they walk into your school. They don't know you. They don't know really what you do. So you're going to have to make them feel at home. You have to explain to them in detail so they understand it, what you do, and how you can get them from point A to point B. 
And then why do you teach what you're teaching? You know, what is your background? Will this help this person in a real world situation? Because people walk in that door, and I always said this about my school, people look me up and they say, wow, that's really cool looking stuff. I want to do that. They come, they last about three days. <laughs> yep. And then you got the people that come in and it's, they stand there, they look around, you can tell they're very nervous and it's me. I watch them. I talk to them and then I can gauge, okay, some, this person had something happen. So now it's up to me to take this person on their trip and to make sure that they're comfortable and have an understanding that this road is going to make you better, but it's only going to make you better by you putting out the effort. Then the journey begins. Very and cool. I, you know, I, I try to take everybody down that path, you know, so it really is a fine line. If, you know, if you're looking to capture students, you know, uh, where I really need students in my school. Well, you know, I think the flashy stuff, the, the craziness of some things that go on, isn't going to get it. You know, I think, I really think you can be a great salesman, mm -hmm. but I think if you're genuine and you look them in the eye and you speak to them, use their name and explain to them each step in their new journey, you're going to keep them and you'll probably keep them for a long time. Nice. Great answer. I like that. Are you a fan of MMA and the UFC? I am. Okay. Uh, only, and, and I'll tell you, I've kind of backed off of it over the years. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I listen to it. I read up on it a little bit. Uh, I follow different people. Do I watch it? I'm not staying up until midnight to watch a fight. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't anymore I, either. So <laughs> I'm up at four o'clock, four 30 in the morning, uh, with my own routine that I do in the mornings. And then I'm out the door to the gym working out. Nice. Then the rest of my day is phone calls and training people. Podcast interviews. <laughs> and podcast interviews every so often, sure. Yeah. There you go. Nice, nice. All right. Who are three or four names, maybe five, that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Hmm. Rodrigo Nogueira. Nice. Jeez. Um, whether he's a martial artist or not, he's more of a combatives instructor. Does that count? Sure. Kelly McCann. Very cool. Nice. I've trained with Kelly. And great guy knows his stuff and he's actually got me onto the path that I'm on. You know, he helped me do that. Terry Giles, my one on go instructor. Nice. You know, right now, uh, Walt Blois, he's my Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. Okay, cool. Guy's phenomenal in, in jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. Really calm, cool guy, uh, breaks it down very easy. I've got it ahead of a cinder block. So it takes a little bit of time for it to seep through, but nice. this guy makes it work. You okay. Know? How many is that? That's four. Three. Is no, that four? No, that's four. What? I got one more. If you want to, it, I've had people put as many as seven or eight. So it's, it's up to you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and as few as okay. two, a two, two is the smallest list I've had. And I think seven or eight is the most. So, yeah. So I, I'm afraid to leave anybody out. I don't want to, uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm going to, you know, what? I'm just going to lock it down there. Okay. I, I don't want to uh, hurt anybody's feelings. That's, that's a solid Mount Rushmore, man. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Some good ones on there. Cool. All right. Yeah. So in all your years of between martial arts, military, police, is there one philosophy you've learned that keeps coming back? It's the it rises to the top of your list. You, it's part of your everyday life. Part of my everyday life. Mm -hmm. Situational awareness. Nice. I believe if you're situationally aware, you can probably avoid 90% of a situation. Those that you can't better have a plan. Okay. You know, a plan of try to deescalate. And then if you have to fight, push comes to shove, as I say, mm -hmm. uh, you better know 
what to do next. Nice. I like that. That's a good answer. All right. I got a few fun questions to wrap it up. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? Hmm. Does it have to be like a martial arty book? It can or? be like an instructional book. It can be an autobiography, like a biography of a martial artist. I mean, people have picked, you know, like, you know, book of five rings and art of war. That's exactly and, where I was going. Oh, okay. I've got the art of war. I've got the art of war. I've got the book of five rings. Masashi. He's, nice. uh, you know, you can put him at the top of the uh, Mount Rushmore. There you How's go. that? There you go. Right. Nice. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely that. Now this one, about half my guests have an answer for, so we'll see. You're, you're, you know, you you grew up in the '60s and '70s, so maybe mm-hmm. you have a favorite martial arts video game. Were you ever a gamer? No. Okay. Never a gamer. <laughs> All right, that's an easy one. All right. You know the last game I played? <laughs> yeah. Pong. Remember that one? <laughs> you're that. You're actually my third guest now, and the second this week that has said Pong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And if you think about it, technically it could be martial arts because now you're blocking and stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah so back, right? could be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll count it. We'll count it. Come on, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Oh, well, going, going back to the, in the day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Green Hornet. Okay. I kind of figured that's what you'd go back to. So any current ones you watch? You, I, if Cobra, I could Cobra find Kai it? fan or. Oh, no, no. <laughs> No, okay. I haven't, I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> okay. But I would sit, I tell you what I would do. I would sit for hours and watch Green Hornet and nice. some of those old ones, you know. You, if you haven't checked out yet, you should check out the Warrior if you haven't seen that. Okay, uh, I'll check it, it out. Because if you were a fan of Kung Fu, it's if you heard the mm-hmm. story, Kung, you know, originally Kung Fu was Bruce Lee's idea. You know, Absolutely. And mm-hmm. Warrior, his daughter Shannon basically took his notes and created the show Warrior. So it's kind of what Kung Fu should have been. So yeah, okay. it's, it's a phenomenal show. If, if, yeah, if you liked Kung Fu, I think you'd probably like this even better. So definitely I'll check it out. Cool. All right. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Dragon. The Bruce Lee story. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. No, not. I'm a Bruce Lee fan. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy the movie, but also with all the research I've done, knowing how much of it in the movie wasn't real. I'm like, I still watch it. I still enjoy it, but I'm like, man, sure. <laughs> it's frustrating, but yeah. it's, it's entertaining. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's good. All right. Final question. This one doesn't have uh-huh. to be a martial arts movie, but it can be if you want to, but just a favorite movie fight scene. And this one I've had anything from. I've had animation, I've had, you know, Marvel and DC stuff, I've had back to, you know, Kurosawa, I've had, you know, Karate Kid type stuff, someone even picked The Princess Bride recently, so, (laughs) yeah, so anything goes, just a favorite movie fight scene. I'd have to say, uh, can't remember exactly which edition it was of the Bourne movie, when he was in, in an apartment he was in an apartment and a guy broke in and they went pretty hard that's in the, one, the kitchen. Is that the one he jumps out the window at the end? Yes. Yeah. That's the first one. That's so yeah. good. And then, <laughs> and then the house blows up. Yep. He, he did something with the gas line or something in the house. Yeah. That was a good fight scene. That's I a great, that see, and I, I usually, when I think of, I completely forgot about that one. Cause usually when I think of Barn Identity, I love the one in the park when he's sleeping on the bench and the two police officers approach him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's one. That's, I love that yeah. one. But yeah, I, I forget, right. the one of the I need to rewatch that. I haven't watched that in a couple of years. So it's some good stuff yeah. in there. Cool, man. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you. But is there anything that maybe I forgot to ask you, or we didn't get a chance to mention that that you want to make sure we get out there? And, and like I said, I'll put links out there for your website and the podcast and everything else, so people can check it out. But anything we uh, we didn't get to mention, you want to make sure we we, we talk about quick. 
No, um, I know, you know, how you found me. I, I, that's the thing I asked you. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we covered everything pretty well. Okay, and, uh, cool. You know, otherwise, we can go on until you got to pick your daughter up. So, I mean, <laughs> we can go on for a couple hours here. You know? Yeah, there we go. There but, we go. You know, but no, I think, uh, you know, all kidding aside, I think it was great. It was a great interview. Thank yeah, you. no, I enjoyed it so much. And, and I'm, I'm actually hoping, like I said, I'm going to be in Florida in May. And if I end up uh, getting a rental car when I'm down there for that conference, I'm thinking about going a day or two early to visit friends. I'd love to come down and check out your place. Mm-hmm. So. If I can Come on make down, it. man. Be ha- happy to have you. Well, that'd be fun. We'll have to stay in touch about yeah. that. But but uh, other than that, I just, again, thank you. This has been so much fun. I mean, honestly, hearing you talk about, like, your school and your black belt test and stuff and how, how, what your students go through actually gave me chills. I mean, I, I would, I'd love, I mean, at this age, I don't know if I could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I tell you, man, 18 to 25 year old me would have freaking loved that. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, you know, even at our age, you know, um, I have to, I would never, like if I had a guy who was my age, mm-hmm. you know, that's pushing 63, 64 years old, I would have to scale it a little bit. Right. Yeah. But I'd make sure he gets in what he's got to get, but I would have to scale it too. I mean, I would, my goal is not to crush people. Right. It's not what it's about. You know, I just want to bring out the best of people and what they've learned That's you know, awesome. so they can, so they can see it. It's about them. It's a great philosophy to have. I, I, lo- I love it. And I, I can't wait till people hear this, uh, this episode. Me too. Let me know how it goes. Thanks for listening to everyday martial artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also be sure to check out our website at everyday There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.